This is a very serious podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our next episode of Splanknicks. So Hannah and I had um, a lot to say about the Martian Chronicles. And we were, we left off, we were in the middle of talking about Usher 2, the story called Usher 2, which is uh, about the the guy from uh, the, I should say, the emigre to Mars, who at great expense rebuilds a working replica of the, of the House of Usher from Edgar Allan Poe, complete with a working pendulum. So what were you, what were you going to be uh, continuing to say about it? I think if I recall, I thought I was, I thought I was done. Yeah. And so, you're not yeah, getting you... any answers from us. So yeah. there. If you want to know what happened in Usher 2, you know, just get, get your own copy of the book and read it. Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness, Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling. I, I, I wanted to go back a little bit, just this is going to be very brief to the one about the Earthmen. And it was so funny to listen to this book read aloud because the Martians all have names like Mr. T-T-T and Mr. Ah-Ah-Ah and Mr. W-W-W and Mr. Er-Er-Er. Miss, actually, that's Miss. Miss Er-Er-Er. And their names are, you know, capital letter T followed by two lowercase letter T's. Mr. T-T-T. Mr. Ah-Ah-Ah, capital letter A followed by two lowercase letter A's. It's just so funny. And... I, uh, one, that's one of the things I enjoyed about this book was there's a definitely a variety of moods in here. Yeah. Because the, the story, Illa, the one that I talked about first, is, uh, is very serious, very quietly sort of sad and, and in the end, tragic. But this, this other one, the Earthmen, it's, it's hilarious, you know, when you, especially when you hear it read aloud by by a really good narrator. Uh, you know, hearing say Mr. V V V, Mrs. Miss Er Er Er, and yeah. uh, I, and he he took the the humor of it very. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of it's pretty dark humor actually the way the story ends. But I just wanted to to you know let our our listeners know that you know uh, some of these stories are are quite funny. Ray Bradbury has a, has a good sense of humor. And Usher 2 is another one of those ones. It's dark, definitely dark humor. Uh, because it's, well, it's based on Edgar Allan Poe, who is obviously, his, his stories are rather dark. So, um, so, so you'll like that. I mean, and some of the stuff about how he's just uh, so annoyed with, with, the, with the moral busybodies that, that you know, can't you know, keep minding everybody's business on Earth. They have to come to Mars and do it too. It's just so <laughs> funny. Uh, and um, I, <laughs> I guess, I guess any story where moral busybodies, you know, get their comeuppance is is a, is a good one, right? I think so. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so what, let's talk about um, night meeting. Okay. Now there's another one that the uh, the, the tone of that one again was really. It was just, it just has such a, such a gentle 
uh, peaceful tone. Yeah. I, I love that story. And it's, it's a story of two very different people meeting at uh, achieving a, a beautiful rapport. Mm-hmm. And they had a, they have a lovely conversation, this Martian and, and a earth emigrate called uh, Tomas. They meet on the highway and, and their points of view are quite different. And this is not much of a spoiler, so I'll just go ahead and say it. It turns out their points of view are so different because they're actually flowing through different streams of time. And yet somehow they meet on this highway Mm -hmm. and the, the Martian sees things from his point of view as Mars is a bustling, you know, uh, planet. He's got, he's, he's on his way to a festival. He's going to, you know, see, see his friends. He's going to have a delicious meal. He's going to see a wonderful entertainment and he's, you know, coming, coming in from the country and he's just so looking forward to it. Tomas looks over and says, what are you talking about? There's nothing but ruins over there. This, that city has been dead for 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the past and the future. You know, one of the things that, that, uh, that the Martian says is how do you know that that's not your future, this dead city? And how do you know that, that I'm not from the future, you know, and just, um, that they oh that the dead city is is the human past yeah right mm-hmm. you know because as far as the martian is concerned he's looking at the city it's alive and well and, and bustling and he's mm-hmm. about to have go have a lot of fun there you know yeah and and uh, tomas is uh is convinced that that that's that, that this uh, martian is from is from the ancient past of of mars and maybe he is but the martian says well how do you know i'm not from the future you know I yeah i think he said that if i'm remembering correctly. And, and it was a beautiful story because it's just these two very different people meeting on the highway. They, they, you know, it, it took them a while to figure out how to communicate, but they do communicate telepathically eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and then they eventually just agree like, well, I guess we just see things differently and well, we just go on our, on our way. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy and so are you. So. Hmm. I'd like to talk about the third expedition, which I believe in your copy is called Mars's Heaven. The one about how uh, it's the third expedition and the Martians uh, basically cause a mass hallucination of all the Earthmen and they think back on Earth in their in their own hometown, basically. So I guess I, I guess I found Night Meeting just a little bit more I- evocative and just a better piece of writing hmm. than Mars's Heaven. I, I don't know. What did, what did you think? Yeah, it had a it's night meeting seemed more real. Which maybe maybe because it is, it it was cuz in in was what's it called Earth's heaven, Mars's heaven. It's called Mars's heaven in in the, Mars's uh, heaven yeah. it literally all was a hallucination. So maybe that's okay that it was it seemed a little bit less realistic. Interesting too, because it should have seemed more realistic because it was set, or, or what the Martians created was a complete replica of, basically tr- extracted from the minds of these Earthmen, their memories, right. their families, and their their place where they grew up, and different things like that. So they they created this situation where these Earthmen felt completely at home, mm-hmm. and and so and and it's interesting that that your response was that it seemed less realistic. Mm-hmm. Because if, if anything, you know, uh, um, Tomas and this Martian meeting on the road in night meeting was, 
I guess a little more fantastical. Yeah. But yet it did maybe maybe what you mean is that it rang true? Yeah. Instead of being necessarily realistic. But yeah, it definitely yeah. The, the night meeting and and the the conversation between Tomas and the I believe he's an unnamed Martian. Mm -hmm. uh, I it, it was very enjoyable and, it, and yeah, it, it rang very true on a, on a human level. Mm. Tomas and the Martians meeting in night meeting, that was that was a true meeting of the minds. And, uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, it was a beautiful thing, actually. Yeah. So I found that I found so I found night meeting much more pleasing. I feel like it's a superior story. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I know you wanted to talk about and the moon be still as bright. That one's my favorite. Tell us about it. Okay. So, and the moon be still as bright, um, is about a expedition to Mars. I don't know what number we're on. We're on now with the fourth, the fourth, the fourth expedition. Oh, this is about the fourth, the fourth expedition to Mars. And they land and it's sort of a dead planet sort of, it's like walking into a ghost town, except it's the whole planet. Pretty much all of the men um, who land, they're very excited. They're like, woo, we made it. Let's have a party. And then there's this one guy named Spender who he feels like it's really, really inappropriate to do that because they're basically camping out the, the bones of a dead civilization. There's this line that says, he fed the fire by hand and it was like offering to a dead giant. They had mm. landed on an immense tomb. There's this one really obnoxious crew member named Biggs who the, their first night there, they've only been there a couple of hours and he starts like, he starts throwing trash into this canal to christen it. We were talking about this um, kind of off mic a while ago about how this, this book as a whole, the Martian Chronicles, if you had to say what its take on colonialism was, you would say that it, that's a negative take, and especially yes. in this story, definitely. There's a line that Spender says about how um, we were renaming mountains because the old names make us uncomfortable. And no matter how much we touch Mars, we will never touch it. And then we'll get mad at it. And you know what we'll do? We'll rip it up, rip the skin off and change it to fit ourselves. We earth men have a talent for ruining big, beautiful things. So, Ouch. yeah, yeah. What so, a statement. So he's very, very somber about it. This, this coming to this new place. And mm -hmm. where is it? Where is his explanation of what happened to him? Well, and, and mention this, Hannah, well, I'll mention it sometime when I'm thinking of it. Okay. Um, or you could tell me to mention it and then I'll mention it. But <laughs> I mean, that seems a little bit roundabout. Go ahead. Why don't you mention it? We'll skip that step. How about it? If you tell them the story about, okay. Well, well, one of the things that was so interesting is that they discovered that basically all the Martians are dead. This is essentially a dead planet. The population of Mars has been wiped out. And apparently they've done, they've been able to study what happened. And what happened is a, a disease was brought by the third expedition. Mm -hmm. The third expedition that um, ended badly in Mars's heaven. Yeah. 
Okay, they brought a disease, and that disease is or uh, was chickenpox. They discovered the chickenpox proved to be uh, super deadly to the Martians. Yeah, and basically all the Martians succumbed to it. So it's a it's a bitter irony because you know you know considering what what happened to uh, the expe- the third expedition in Mars is heaven. I mean, it's. It, we're not going to say it was it was justified or they deserved it. Certainly, you know, no one deserved mm-hmm. to have their whole planet wiped out by by a disease brought to them. But you know, mm-hmm. it was it's just one of those bitterly ironic things that happened. And yeah. and and some of the some of the men on this fourth expedition are, you know, appalled by that. Of course, Spender certainly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the whole planet gets wiped out by chickenpox. He's just he just can't believe it. You know. Yeah, yeah, and. I think it might have something to do with he really doesn't like being one of these people who's come to this planet and is disrespecting a place that isn't his home, you know? And so Mm -hmm. there's this whole thing where he, they're all, they're all exploring the city and Spender wanders off and he's gone for like a week. And then when he comes back, he's he's basically gone gone native, <laughs> for lack of another yeah. term. He comes and he says, "I'm a Martian," and he starts trying to kill everybody else. Yeah, in fact, he says, "I'm the last Martian." I'm the last Martian. Yeah, he says, um, he says like, "I found a Martian up in the dead town," um, and like, yeah, I read, am, uh, yeah, read the, that part because he it's. I read that and I was like, "What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, read he says, it. I found a Martian." up at the dead town. I didn't think I'd find him. I didn't intend looking him up. Um, And one day I saw this Martian. He stood there for a moment and then he was gone. He didn't come back for another day. I sat around learning how to read the old writing and the Martian came back each time a little nearer until one day I learned how to decipher the Martian language. The Martian appeared before me and he said, give me your boots. And I gave him my boots and he said, give me your uniform and all the rest of your apparel. And I gave him all of that. And then he said, give me your gun. And I gave him my gun. Then he said, now come along and watch what happens. And the Martian walked down into camp and he's here now. Yeah. In other words, it's Spender. Yeah. Spender has become the last Martian. Like I am the last Martian because I guess he just, he just can't stand being human anymore because just watching everybody throwing trash into the canal and yeah you know vomiting in the martian temple or whatever and just just like i can't stand you people i don't want to be with you anymore i don't want to be part of your species uh, so <laughs> yeah. so he just yeah he just he just disappears he becomes a martian and then his whole thing is that well if any of you guys survive, you're just going to ruin the planet and you're going to call more humans and they're going to come and ruin the planet. So I have to make sure that nobody comes here, you know? Yeah. And so and, he takes it upon himself to, uh, yeah, he takes it upon himself. And then that sort of becomes this manhunt where the rest of the crew is chasing after him, trying to kill him. Like kind of like a, yeah, kind of like Rambo, I guess. <laughs> yeah actually it is a bit like rambo eventually Mm -hmm. he sort of holed up in the up in the hills there and yeah yeah um and he had spender has a an amazing speech yeah he has an amazing speech you you read it to me the other day at our at our off mic again i read i was like oh man hannah you have to read that Mm -hmm. uh, in our podcast because it's such an amazing 
speech that he gives. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I took a lot of notes on this speech and it's a whole page here that I wrote and it, I, I titled it what we can learn from Martians according to Spender. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. <clears throat> He's talking about the Martians. They knew how to live with nature and get along with nature. They didn't try too hard to be all men and no animal. That's the mistake we made when Darwin showed up. We embraced him and Huxley and Freud, all smiles. And then we discovered that Darwin and our religions didn't mix, or at least we didn't think they did. We were fools. We tried to budge Darwin and Huxley and Freud. They wouldn't move very well. So like idiots, we tried knocking down religion. We succeeded pretty well. We lost our faith and went around wondering what life was for. If art was no more than a frustrated outflinging of desire, if religion was no more than self-delusion, what good was life? Faith had always given us answers to all things, but it all went down the drain with Freud and Darwin. We were, and still are, a lost people. The Martians discover the secret of life among animals. The animal does not question life. It lives. Its very reason for living is life. It enjoys and relishes life. <clears throat> man had become too much man and not enough animal on Mars, too. And the men of Mars realized that in order to survive, they would have to forego asking that one question any longer. Why live? Life was its own answer. Life was the propagation of more life and the living of as good a life as possible. The Martians realized that they asked that they asked the question, why live at all, at the height of some period of war or despair when there was no answer. But once the civilization calmed, quieted, and wars ceased, the question became senseless in a new way. Life was now good and needed no arguments. Uh, they quit trying too hard to destroy everything, to humble everything. They blended religion and art and science because at base, science is no more than an investigation of a miracle we can never explain. And art is an interpretation of that miracle. They never let science crush the aesthetic and the beautiful. It's all simply a matter of degree. An earth man thinks in that picture, color does not exist really. A scientist can prove that color is only the way the cells are placed in a certain material to reflect light. Therefore, color is not really an actual part of the things I happen to see. A Martian, far cleverer, would say, this is a fine picture. It came from the hand and the mind of a man inspired. Its idea and its color are from life. This thing is good. Yeah. Um, mind blown. Yeah. That speech is so good and one of the reasons hannah that that hit that hit me so much I, mm -hmm. I had read the book same as you did but that speech mm -hmm. did not jump out at me until you read it aloud to me because i had been reading c.s lewis's the abolition of man right yes we and, were nerding out both reading our copies of the abolition of man together in our living room and we were talking yeah. about something that c.s lewis was saying you had a question we were talking about it and i I said, oh, wait, that's what, that's what this, that's what Spender was talking about with the Martians. Right. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. Where's listen, the thing from, from because the listen to this from yeah, the abolition ahead. of man. Okay. So the reason abolition of man is, is on my mind is because um, a new book about the abolition of man explaining it has just come out and it's called after humanity. Mm -hmm. It's written by this, by Michael Ward, the same person who um, wrote uh, planet Narnia mm -hmm. and the, the, the documentary, The Narnia Code, about the Chronicles of Narnia. Anyway, so I, I, I've had this, this book much on my mind. 
And I think what we were talking about was, well, something, something in that passage that you read, something about how they were too much man. Yeah, too much man and not enough man. animal. Too much man and not enough animal. Okay, now listen to this. This is, this is what blew me away. In Abolition of Man, C.S. Lewis describes a, what's called a philosophical anthropology yeah. of human beings, where human beings are divided into three parts, a head, a belly, and a chest. And the mm -hmm. head is the rational uh, intellect, thought, the sort of, and also the spiritual powers of human beings, the, the yes. mind, right? The belly is sort of animal instincts and appetites and sort of mm, unregulated emotions. Mm -hmm. Just like that. that like instincts. Instinct yeah. and, and just zest for life mm -hmm. is in there, okay? And then you have the chest, which is in the middle. Yeah. The chest is what he describes, C.S. Lewis describes as the liaison officer between the head and the belly. Right. If you do not have a chest, what you have is you either have, you, you, uh, the Michael Ward described it as this, you either evaporate into pure spirit, pure man, or, or pure mind. Yeah. Or you sink into pure animal. Mm-hmm. You need the chest to mediate between those two things, to, to regulate the emotions, mm -hmm. to direct the intellect compassionately and not just dispassionately into, into some sort of objectivist nightmare. Right. And you need the, and you need the chest to mediate the belly away from just pure instinct. Right. And into reasoned thought and um, proper and just sentiments and not just untrammeled emotionalism and emotivism. Mm -hmm. And so, and so what Lewis says, the reason his book is called the abolition of man is because he's describing a certain cultural situation and a certain situation in education that he finds appalling. Yeah. Read the book and you find out what it is. But what he says is what's happening is we are creating men without chests. Mm -hmm. In other words, people who have no mitigating faculty between their head and their belly. And so people are either going off into pure intellectualism, uh, objectivism with no uh, appeal to, you know, like, like uh, in that passage, we're just becoming too much men. That's kind of what, what, yeah, um, that's, that's our, that's yeah. what the, this, uh, this hyper rational, the parallel is. Yeah. And, or, yeah, hyper rational or, saying everything, everything beautiful really has no meaning. Exactly. Everything beautiful. Oh, it looks like it has colors, but no, this is just the way the light is refracting. Yeah. Just that like, is, I'd rather be, I'd rather a, be smart than be happy kind of thing. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I'd rather be smart and know everything than be able to appreciate the, the beauty of this, of this sunset. I would rather right. be able to explain it. I mean, holy smokes, what an insufferable, you know, <laughs> know it all that would be. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the things that uh, C.S. Lewis describes um, the, um, the, the opposite type of person, the just person who's just run wild with their instincts and emotionism, their appetites and everything. He describes that person as a trousered ape. Right. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this, this is all bring, it's bringing for me that speech by Spender. And um, because what we have is people going to Mars 
They don't have any chests. Yeah. All they got is their mind and their will to dominate. Mm-hmm. To take over this world for their own purposes, you know? Right. And and the Martians, and what the Martians were, they were men with chests. Mm-hmm. They had integrated fully their mind and their and their and their animal, you know, mm-hmm. part. They were truly the rational animals. These these you know the, the men in the, in this Martian Chronicle story were not. They're not rational animals. They're just well, they're partly they're they're kind of like a a bad mixture of pure mind and pure uh, and pure animal. Just kind of you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the worst, the worst of the two were things mixed together. Right. And it reminded me of what Lewis um, had, uh, the, the anthropology that Lewis did. He basically did this anthropology in his, um, in his space trilogy. Right. Yeah. Out and, of the silent planet. And on Mars, they, they do eventually go to Mars. Do they go to Mars? Yeah. Anyway. But, Mars is uh, the first one, isn't it? Because I, I can't Venus remember. Is... But, but. Yeah, he goes out of the silent planet. The silent planet is Earth, and then Paralandra is Venus. And I think maybe they go to. Yeah, do they end up on Mars? They must do. Yeah, he goes to Mars in the first one because Par- Paralandra is the story. The it's like the creation story happening yeah. on another planet, and they're on Venus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so on Mars, there the the word for a rational human being with all three of those faculties integrated and all in accord with one another, that type of person is called Hanau, mm-hmm. H-N-A-U, that's called, it's called Hanau. And what, and what C.S. Lewis is saying is that if you don't integrate these three things, we human beings, we, are not, we will not be Hanau anymore. We yeah. will be either pure, vicious, intellected spirit, because keep in mind, the only thing there are only two things that are pure spirit that are not mm-hmm. God, right? Pure spirit. We have God, we have angels, and we have demons. Mm-hmm. So we're obviously not going to be God if we become pure spirit. And as we know, men are not angels. Mm-hmm. So what does a pure spirit, a human being who's gone completely into objective and nothing but rationalism, well, you do the math. Mm-hmm. And then, or you could be a total animal. And, and what, so what Lewis is arguing in the abolition of man, he's saying that if we become men without chests and we do not integrate these three things together, we are literally cease to be real human beings. Mm-hmm. We will abolish man. The, 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 the end point of this trajectory that we're on is the destruction of, of human beings. We yeah. will not be now anymore. Right. Now, I, so so that was why that was such a mic drop moment for me was listening to you uh, read that that speech aloud. Yeah, um, because this is this is not the you know, Lewis is not the only one who's thought of this mm-hmm. um, about uh, about the trajectory and, and like and like uh, like Bradbury says, um, people ask me to predict the future when all I want to do is prevent it. Mm-hmm. Prevent us turning into these kinds of nightmare creatures that that basically have no, no yeah. regulatory faculties to our to our our untrammeled intellect or to our untrammeled animal instincts so yeah um well on that note um but let's let's briefly we'll we'll finish up here in a second maybe um unless you have more to say about that um i don't that was it yeah yeah that was pretty good i i think that that is um man that that is such a such a good such a good uh story and such a good 
lesson, you know, for, 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 for readers, for, for human beings to, to take in. Right. But, um, I, and I think th this, this would be good because one of the things that, that people have talked about is, is Ray Bradbury actually writing science fiction? Yeah. Is he, or is he not? Um, well, here's what, here's what Ray Bradbury said about that. All right. He says, there is only one story in the entire book that obeys the laws of technological phys physics. He's talking about in the Martian Chronicles. Mm -hmm. The story, there will come soft rains, the one that we just talked about. But no, they will come soft rains is the one about the automated house. Oh, I'm sorry. This oh, yeah, you're is right. The moon be, oh. be still as bright. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. The moon mm -hmm. be still as bright. Yeah, there will come soft rains uh, obeys some technological physics because he's got some, you know, right. sprinklers and, and, and things that, that, that do automated stuff. There will come soft rains is about an automated house that uh, all the people have died in a nuclear holocaust and the house keeps going for a while. You know, the whole book. Yeah. It would have long since fallen to rust by the road because it would have dated itself, right? Yeah. Because real technology has, has overtaken much of the, what, what we call hard science fiction from, from the golden age of science fiction. It's very dated now. Yeah. But, says Bradbury, since the Martian Chronicles is a self-separating fable, even the most deeply rooted physicists at Caltech accept breathing the fraudulent oxygen atmosphere I have loosed on Mars. <laughs> Sci and, and he says, I don't write science fiction. I've only done one science fiction book, and that's Fahrenheit 451, based on reality. Yeah. <laughs> science fiction, yeah. Science fiction is, is a depiction of the real, he says. Fantasy is a depiction of the unreal. So the Martian Chronicles is not science fiction. It's fantasy. Oh. Science, machines can kill each other off or be replaced. But myth, seen in mirrors incapable of being touched stays on wow so uh what yeah so whether he's writing science fiction or not whatever he's writing uh brilliant stuff yep excellent ray bradbury just just excellent i love him he's one of my favorite authors yeah um i'm so glad that you suggested that we do martian chronicles and exactly a year after we had done Fahrenheit yeah i didn't even mean to do that yeah so that's really cool and so we are so happy that you uh, listeners have have uh, joined us for this entire podcast. Uh, we do we do invite you to subscribe to the podcast oh, and yes. go check out our, our Instagram at Splanknicks underscore dot. Wait, the, the Instagram handle is at Splanknicks underscore podcast. Yep. And you can send us an email at Splanknickspodcast at gmail.com. Splanknickspodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And um, yeah, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and just go on whatever, you know, it's on Apple and then Google and it's on Spotify, Stitcher. What are the other podcast apps, Hannah? Do you know? There's something called Spreaker. On cloud. Spreaker? Spreaker. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's on, it's on all those. Just go go look go on your, your podcast. It's on there. Go, um, to your, go to your podcast farm of choice and see if it's there. Your podcast farm of choice. Yes. All right. For all sorts of audio fruit that you can enjoy. Yes. So thank you so much, everybody. We will uh, see you in the next episode. Meanwhile, take care. Mm -hmm.